This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You're listening to In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Akhil Hamza. And I'm Ang Ting. We are co-hosts for this episode where we're going to look at politicians who've had affairs. July 17 was a double whammy for the two largest political parties in Singapore after revelations that four politicians were embroiled in affairs. But if they're good at their jobs, should their private indiscretions really matter? In the studio here with us is Dr. Walid Jumlat, an assistant professor at NTU who specialises in politics and public administration. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. We've also got Maximilian O, a third-year undergraduate from NUS, pursuing a degree in political science and philosophy. Hi there, good to have you on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Okay, so I think let's just get to the meat of the debate today. And so Dr. Walid, maybe you can go first. How should the public treat disgraced politicians? So there are two questions, right? Essentially is how should they treat disgraced politicians and how do they treat disgraced politicians? And I think... For me, the first one, the first one is a normative question, right? And I personally think if it's a personal indiscretion, it should remain in the personal realm. As long as we can judge them based on their track record in public, then that's enough for us to go by, right? So I know some people say, oh, I cannot trust you to be faithful in your personal life. How can I trust you to be faithful to the people? But they have a decade-old record in their dealings with the people. We can judge them by that. Leon has been an MP since NCMP days, since 2015. Speaker Tan Chuan Jin, former speaker, has been there since 2011. More than a decade of record and we can judge them by that. So I do not really buy that argument. So the first one, I think the question of should personal and public indiscretions are very different. So I think we should separate them. The second question is an empirical one. How does the public treat these politicians? And I think the jury is still out on that. I would have liked to see it being tested. Either the PAP or Workers' Party say, okay, we've discovered this, they have repented, and from their personal indiscretions, now we let the voters decide, as should be the case. And and then we'll know definitively whether the public really thinks that, first of all, whether this matters, second of all, whether it matters enough to be an electoral decider. Because I think other issues will ultimately still trump this. So yeah, I think the jury is still out on the empirical question. Okay, so Max, how about your thoughts then? If these MPs have done very good work, then should we forgive them? First of all, yes, I agree with Dr. Walid that the question of whether a politician can be honest or truthful in the political sphere when they are not so in their personal life, that is something that is on the minds of many Singaporeans and maybe is something that should not be the case. But for me personally, I feel that being part of an affair that is something reflective of one's character. And it is hard to believe that one's character can differ between one's role in his personal life or in their yeah, political life. Yeah. As, as for whether we should forgive them, I think that really depends on two things. Firstly, who their indiscretions have affected. In the cases of affairs, their indiscretions have affected their family members. So it should be up to their family to decide whether or not we should forgive them. We have seen in cases in the entertainment industry, where a celebrity has been part of an affair and their family has come out to say that, oh, we have forgiven them for it and the public has done so as well. And I think it also matters how the politician reacts and handles the indiscretion after it has come out. So have they been accountable for it? 
have they apologized for it? And have they shown that they have grown as a person? Hmm. So I guess to push it a bit further, so Dr. Wallet, do you think having an affair is a punishable offence in politics? For me personally, I think it's up to the voters. The voters are the ones who should decide that, not the parties per se. Just now Max mentioned that if a person is not faithful in their private life, then we don't know whether we can trust them in their public life. If we were to have that as a standard, imagine how many world leaders would have been removed from the pages of history. And we are talking about people like Martin Luther King Jr., who had a very checkered personal life. But would anybody ever seriously say that his contributions to the public, to the world stage, should ever be removed? I think human beings are more complex than that. And there are many people we know who are not nice in private, but nice in public. (laughs) Not nice spouses, but nice colleagues. Because people act differently in different spheres. So I think to have a blanket idea that, oh, if this is how you behave in one sphere, therefore it translates to every sphere of your life, I think that is ultimately not a realistic understanding of the human condition. However, I think that is the standard that we as a country have set for our politicians. Wrongly, I think, but it is a standard that we have set. So for me personally, I do not think as a private indiscretion should be punished in the public realm, except by voters. If voters decide that, okay, we we do not want you there because we can't trust you because of their affairs, that's fine. But I think it should be at the ballot box. So in, in the first place, how do we judge a person's personal values other than through their public actions? So for a lot of these politicians, ultimately, the way, the way I judge a politician is through their body of public work. Ultimately, that's all that matters to me. And even if, oh, you may not believe in whatever you say, right? As long as you do it, you do the right things, that's all that matters to me. And I can only judge by what I see, not by what I don't see. Okay, interesting. And so for Max, for you, do you think having an affair is a punishable offence in politics? I think I agree with Dr. Walid in that it should be decided at the ballot box. After all, we are a democracy. The member of parliament who has been involved in an affair, they should face the consequences at the ballot box. However, I do think that the political party themselves has a role as well in deciding this because political parties do have certain values and their members have to represent those values. So it will be extremely awkward for a political party with values such as transparency and accountability to have a party member be involved in a personal indiscretion such as an affair and then still remain with the political party and to remain in parliament. I think that the political party definitely does have a justification to met out some consequences to a party member who has been involved in an affair. So, Dr. Walid, based on previous cases of affairs and all that, it does seem that there's a little bit of discrepancy in how they've been handled by the political party. So, what I'm going to do now is actually read an excerpt from a recent Straits Times article interviewing an HR specialist. And listeners will share the link to it in the podcast show notes. So, the HR specialist, Linda Teo, said a relationship between colleagues is considered inappropriate if it involves romantic or sexual involvement in a professional setting, especially if one is a supervisor and the other is a subordinate. Companies may require employees to disclose to the HR department if they are involved to address any potential fallout. And in that case then, should political parties adopt standard rules practiced in corporations such as dealing with romantic relationships between colleagues? Yeah, I'm not sure whether the issue is about rules because if it's an affair, I doubt that people would want to declare. <laughs> so no matter what the rules are, 
I don't think it would have prevented this. So even about the issue, and I completely get that, even at our institutions, we have to declare if a nephew or a niece is coming. I mean, social sciences, but if somebody is, a niece of mine is entering engineering, I still have to declare it, right? Because everything needs to be above board. I get that. But also, I don't know what the stats are for Singapore, actually, but you can check this. In many other countries, a significant proportion of romantic relationships begin at the workplace. There are clearly grey areas there as well. And you can understand working adults if you're single. Where else are you going to meet people, right? So I think the issue, what I'm saying, is not as straightforward as people describe. Humans are complex. Human relationships are even more complex. So Max, what are your thoughts on this then? For me, I think definitely there should be some rules in place. I would find it surprising if there aren't already some level of rules and guidelines in political parties already. Because I'm not an expert in HR, but I believe that these kind of guidelines serve two purposes. Firstly, is to set expectations of their party members or their employees. And the second purpose is to enable the party leadership or the management to effectively handle these cases when they come to light or when they happen. But I think we must also understand like that like corporations, different political parties will have different tolerance levels and expectations and hence it is perfectly fine for different political parties to have different set of guidelines and different rules. So Dr. Wally, you said that these affairs are rather complex and it's hard to prescribe something. I'm going to ask you to prescribe something now. <laughs> so in the case of political parties which do not have HR departments, how best can they address such issues? Yeah, I think the PM's tone throughout this, I think I am quite supportive of it. I think it really depends on each family and personal situation. And therefore, you would have to prescribe based on especially how the families are going to react, how the families, whether the families are ready to forgive and whether there's a chance for the relationship to be mended between the participants involved. So I think I am quite supportive of the PM saying that it should be, well, discretionary option on the party's part, right? So that part, I think, is what we need to continue. Each relationship, we need to look at it. The PM also said in Parliament, this is not going to be the final time. We are going to see more and more of this. Right? So is when every time it happens, are we going to lose members of Parliament? Is, it, are we gonna, is there a situation where we're going to lose half the members of Parliament? one day because half of them are embroiled in such scandals. We also, I think, this is a good inflection time for society, I think, to really look at our politicians, right? As humans, I think for the longest time we have been looking at our politicians as superhumans. I never understood why we impose a standard of morality on politicians that I think unrealistic. For me, personally, I vote for a politician because that politician is going to be a good policymaker, is going to be a good parliamentarian, not going to be a moral role model. right? I don't look to my politicians to be moral role models. But as I said, that is how society has set the standard. But it's a good time for us to reflect on this, whether that is the standard we want to have for our politicians. Well, I actually have another question if I can ask. So you've talked about how this like PM gave a good, I mean, like, but I'm going to ask a more controversial question. Please. But what do you think he could do better? Like, Is there... Any room of improvement for guidelines that he set out that you think? Yeah, so while I am supportive of the approach he took, I think the question is having an affair a fireable offence or not, right? If it's a fireable offence, why did it take three years? 
if it's not, why sack now? Or ask him to resign now? So I think that is the grey area. Although what I would say is it seems that the PAP is moving towards a more tolerant approach. Not tolerant of affairs, but a more understanding approach. Maybe understanding the complexity when DPM Lawrence Wong gave the interview and he said that was never the standard sacking for affairs, right? When he gave that BBC interview. So I think there is some recognition that maybe society has evolved and maybe this is not a, as much of a deal-breaker as it was many years ago. So could it be the last time an MP is fired because of an affair, if that's the sort of standard? I hope so. Hmm. Interesting. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Back to our conversation with Dr. Walid Jumla, an assistant professor at Nanyang Technological University who specialises in politics and public administration, and Maximilian Oh, an undergraduate from National University of Singapore pursuing a degree in political science and philosophy. So let's take a step back from all that discussion about what the party should do and everything. I think when the news of the affair broke out, we've seen examples of contributions actually being erased. For instance, a Christian website Salt and Light and Thirst, they took down interviews with Tan Chuan Jin, only to restore them later. And on top of that, he had to step down from multiple roles as president of the Singapore National Olympic Council, advisor to the National Council of Social Service, and as patron for the Centre for Fathering, to name a few. But in the aftermath of it all, their party leaders still said that they did good work and paid tribute to that. So Max, in this day and age where cancel culture is a thing, when a public figure becomes embroiled in a scandal and then you basically try and remove their complete lives, all the all sorts of contributions and achievements they've made. What are your thoughts on it then? Should their previous contributions, although helpful at the time, be totally cancelled in that case? I don't think so. I don't think that their previous contributions should be forgotten or totally cancelled. I think that we may subscribe to an idea of a recency bias where we tend to forget one's previous contributions because they have been involved in a recent scandal. I don't think that this should be the case. In the art scene, there is a saying that we support the art and not the artist. And in politics, we can say that we celebrate a politician's contributions without celebrating the politician as a person. But that's it. I would say that it is extremely reasonable to lend more light to one scandal if it has caused great harm to society or if it has caused great harm to the people around them, then yes, we can lend more light to their scandal when remembering them uh, as a whole career. Dr. Walid, what about your thoughts then? Yeah, so I think I largely agree with Max. We mustn't forget because, again, human beings, we are the sum of our actions. All of our actions. Like he who has never seen cast the first stone. If you want to remove somebody for one mistake, I think that's crazy. That's a crazy standard. Then nobody should ever be in the public eye for, or no no person's contributions can ever be acknowledged because there can always be something wrong that a person said, you know, something clumsy, something inappropriate that a person said 20 years ago. So I think we cannot dismiss the good things that, that come. And I think it, it really comes with an evolution of how society understands human beings. I think especially politicians. We must understand politicians are just elected human beings. Right? So they are susceptible to the same travails of life that other human beings are. And we don't want to be judged on our worst days. So why would we want to judge other people by their worst days, by their worst actions, when they have a sum of good work? Right? Now, the final part of what Max said was we need to 
understand their the gravity of what they did as well, right? And who they have harmed, which I agree also. What I would add to that is there's a difference between what Iswaran is alleged to have done. There's a huge difference between that and what Tan Chuan Jin or Leon and Nicole have done. I think the gravity is not in the same space at all. I think it is okay for somebody to judge Iswaran far, far more harshly and critically take a look at his contributions if the allegations are true because that involves the public domain. Whereas the private domain, I think the harm is to the family members. No, it's not even to us, the rest of us. Tan Jonjin never did anything to me. <laughs> Why am I in the position to judge him like morally, right? If And if their spouses have forgiven them, who are we to judge? It doesn't even make sense to me. So I would say the gravity and the nature of the offence Interesting. So we're more next to a 2016 case of two Scottish MPs who retained their seats in Parliament despite them being exposed for having an affair with the same journalist. So while PAP holds to the standard of being whiter than white, can we expect that grey might be acceptable as societal standards change? So Dr. Wallet, in Singapore, can we expect a future where affairs do not spell the end of political careers? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. As long as it remains personal and it doesn't affect their public life, I think that is the way it should go. That's just the Scottish MPs, that's just one example, right? You have tons of examples in the West, right? Bill Clinton, when he left office, his approval ratings were still through the roof. So Americans still largely approve of what he did. You look at French politicians, Italian politicians. You look even at, and people say, oh, but Asian societies are different. Well, many Southeast Asian countries also have had politicians who have had affairs, in some countries more conservative than ours, and they are re-elected as well. So I think we we should have, well, I hope that we should move to a society where we manage to distinguish between the private and the public. And what about you, Max? How would this matter as a young person for your generation? I actually think the opposite for my generation because personally, I feel that my generation appreciates and we want accountability and transparency and being part of an affair, being involved in an affair is the complete opposite of those two things. So it is very hard for the younger generation, I would say, in the future to accept a scenario where a member of parliament can remain in office even after having been involved in an affair. You would say that's truer for a younger generation than older generation? I would say so. Really? I'm, not, I'm not representative of the whole younger generation. But generally, how I feel as a young person in a relationship or with friends who are in relationships, we take this affair thing very seriously, I would say, as compared to, for example, our parents or our uncles and aunties. Because I, I would, even even from my own personal conversation, again, these are all un- unscientific, right? I would say there may be two types of gaps here. One is there's an age gap which I think actually is the opposite of yours, but again, it's unscientific. So I think older people would be more reluctant to accept this because they have a certain standard of what politicians should be. The other thing I'm interested also is to see whether there's a gender gap in this, whether women voters would take this less kindly than men, than male or men voters. And I think there's a research question to be studied there. Because my suspicion is there are gender gaps. And we know also like female politicians who have affairs, they are judged more harshly than the male politicians who have affairs. So my suspicion is also that maybe women voters are less forgiving of this. I don't know for sure. 
But it does seem from preliminary conversations that I've had, there seems to be a trend, but who knows? Max, you said that the younger generation might not be so accepting, but what if the politician has an open relationship? So they're married, but they're open about the fact that they can be with anyone. Do you think that would change? Yes, I guess we would be accepting of a politician in an open relationship because in that case, then there is nothing that is being hidden from the public. There's nothing being hidden from the partner. And in that case, the politician has been perfectly accountable, has been perfectly transparent. So I don't think they have crossed any moral lines or done any harm. Mm, so it's more of the element of deceit that yes. is a concern. And I guess, would, I mean, what would be an indicator that Singapore is ready for it? We talked about the ballot box, right? But is that the only way? I, I would say it's uh, the ballot box. I always hear the... How many times have you heard Singapore is not ready for this, Singapore is not ready for that, Singapore is not ready for that. And it's always made by a few people, that statement. Uh, is made by a few people based on their own personal experiences, which may or may not be reflective. Ultimately, right, I have a saying, you know, you know, service measures sentiment, but elections measure conviction. Right? So if you ask young people, for instance, what do you care about in a survey, right? They'll say the climate, blah, 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 blah. And it's true, all of that, because that's how they feel and that's how they also want to feel about themselves. But when it comes to voting, what do they actually vote for? That's where their convictions are tested. Right? So if you ask a person, oh, does, a, does an affair matter? Of course. I don't think many people would be like me and say, oh, it doesn't matter at all. I think people would say yes. But how much does it matter? Only at the ballot box can we really test how much it matters. Whether that will matter more than the GST. Whether it will matter more than the other things that, that will happen in the election cycle. And I think ultimately the ballot box is the best survey. Hmm. But then it comes to also the political parties and whether they think Singaporeans are ready Correct. for that, right? And Correct. Do you think that there is a chance where they would actually feel the candidate who has had an affair in the past? I think they probably would in the future. They probably would. I would have liked to see that being tested. For instance, okay, I understand the PM dropping because that's the standard that the PAP has set. I don't think it should have been, but at least they are consistent. I would like, have to, I would like to have seen the WP test that and just film Leon at the next election and Nicole at the next election. Although L.O. Pritam was careful to say in his presser that it wasn't the affair, it was lying, right? But come on, when he asked Leon that you expect a married man to immediately confess the affair the first time, right? I also am a bit more realistic, right? So that lie was a lie that you would expect somebody to tell. <laughs> like you wouldn't go to your boss and say, hey, I have this, right? I've made this mistake. So uh, I would have liked to see it being tested at the ballot box, but they clearly felt like they were not ready, both parties. But hopefully both of them will move on from this and in the future separate the private and the public. Okay, thank you, Dr. Walid, for being here today. Thanks for having me on. And thank you, Max. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap for In Your Opinion. I'm Ang Ting. And I'm Akil Hamza. If you resonate with the points raised, do share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read Akil's or my articles and ST's opinion columns, there are links in our podcast show notes. Thanks for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. 
For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.